Hello, fellow health and safety professionals. We are coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Fonz, Laverne and Shirley, and of course, beer. How could it get any better than that? This is Ted Speaks Live. Our podcast will focus on keeping people safe, families together, and growing your career in short eight to 10 minute weekly segments. Your host is Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. Ted has over 25 years of health and safety experience in both manufacturing and construction. He started his career in the field and worked his way up to safety director. Ted also coaches football and knows how important it is to communicate expectations and work together both at work and at play. With this as Ted's background, he is excited to share some of his experiences with you and to improve your career and your company. Our guest today is Stephen Ross with AECOM Hunt. Stephen has 13 years of experience in the construction industry in environmental health and safety. Stephen holds a BS in public safety management from the Indiana University, Purdue University, and a CSP and MBA from Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. During his career, he has been able to work with both field and management to make changes for safer and more efficient work sites. AECOM has been building for their clients for over 75 years, from iconic stadiums and arenas, next-gen transportation hubs, and sustainable healthcare and academic buildings. AECOM is known nationwide as the premier builder of large and complex projects. Their expertise, leadership, and dedication are unparalleled. Please welcome Stephen Ross to our podcast. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? Oh, great. You know, we're very excited to have you on our podcast, especially with something that I'm very passionate about is making your way from being in the, the field in construction all the way up to where you are now. So excited to hear the story and share with our audience. Yeah. Could you share your background about your career and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So I never heard of safety until I really got into the trades at, at a young age. So I joined the Carpenters Union when I was about 18 years old and worked in several different industries, some commercial, some industrial, worked primarily in the interior systems and flooring and scaffolding. Okay. So I never heard of safety. And so I <laughs> really started working some government work and was quickly shut down by the Army Corps of Engineers <laughs> in the industrial world as well. So yeah. it was a new thing. Small town in Indiana really was not something that was ever discussed and no one ever really knew about, let alone worried about. And so After a few years in the union and working as a carpenter, I decided to make the switch to to safety. And I realized shortly thereafter that high school education is great, but I really needed some more to really maximize my effectiveness. So I went back to school and got a bachelor's degree in public safety management through IUPUI in Indianapolis. But time was my biggest goal was was the CSP. So that was kind of the next step for me was to pursue that certification. And that was part of the reason that I was even going to school. And honestly, I think at the time I was looking for uh, credibility to myself more than anybody that I could do this job. A little bit more of a confidence booster. It was. It was at the time. And so that kind of took me education-wise. After the CSP, uh, I worked in the field for a few more years and realized that while I work in the construction industry, it's definitely not as technical a discipline for safety as many of my peers are in. A lot of what we deal with are are management decisions. So I decided to go back for my MBA. And that was a challenge for sure. Met some great people along the way that really helped me succeed through that. 
Well, that's great. I mean, to have that MBA and a CSP, Certified Safety Professional, really says a lot about your willingness to take on safety and to learn. That's what we need in our industry, right? Absolutely. And there has to be a continual search to learn, to grow as a safety professional. It's not one day waking up reading an OSHA manual and (laughs) thinking you have it all covered. So you mean the 1910s, 1926s, and the 1915s aren't good enough? (laughs) We joke and call it the Bible. Right. And I would say it's my second Bible, but it's still not good enough. (laughs) Well, it's like I've said before on the show, and you also, that we can cover everything that's in those books, right? And still get people hurt. So that's still not good enough. That's just minimal. Absolutely. I use the line, people in compliance die every day. Yep. But it's generally true. People think they're doing the right thing. And unfortunately, these rules are sometimes they antiquated and mm-hmm. they don't cover the entire scope of what we may be doing that day. And so we have to grow beyond what the I would consider the, the baseline or the bottom line is. I would agree. And then that's part of what we're trying to do today, right? Absolutely. That's what we're here to do today. And Stephen, I just wanted to say one of my favorite parts is kind of always listening to people's background and how they got where they are. And it seems like in the safety world, we hear this quite often with our guest speakers that that's not what they started out to do or they didn't even know it was such a thing. I don't know how many times. So it's just interesting the commonality that that has. But with your background, starting in the trades and getting where you have gotten yourself today, you kind of have two different ways or perspectives of looking at things. And how do you think that's helped make you stronger in the career that you have right now, kind of seeing both worlds? Absolutely. So to kind of answer the first part of that question, you know, I, like I said, I didn't know safety existed as a profession for sure. And unfortunately, probably many people have turned into a, an amazing story and a heart-wrenching story of some unfortunate event that exposed them to a safety hazard or someone they cared about that kind of changed their mind. I didn't really experience that myself. I've seen a few very serious incidents, but overall, I've been very fortunate and people that I care about and those I love. And for me, it was a journey through what started as almost a journey of efficiency. And I think that in our profession, we get tasked with fixing a problem. Can't let that incident happen again. So an example was somebody tripped over an extension cord, which turned into, we don't want long runs of extension cords, so no extension cords (laughs) over 10 feet. Well, then we had 300 generators running inside a building because they could only go 10 feet with extension cord. And then everybody was getting sick. And it really was a problem in search of a solution. And so for me, those baby steps of seeing, I guess, safety done wrong for me was kind of started me on my journey of thinking, I think we can do this better. And, And for me, it was a matter of efficiency. I was fortunate to be able to run some crews at a fairly young age, almost still an apprentice. And for me, it was, how can I improve the lives of the people that I'm working with? And how can we accomplish the same thing, but allow somebody to actually take breaks? Because maybe the way we were doing it before was working everybody too hard. And so for me, I got to see the other side of it. I was in my tools. I was doing what was asked of me. And it was many times onerous. It was difficult. We're being asked to jump through so many hoops that our human nature was working against us to not do those things. You have to look out, right? Right. Is anybody around? Okay, let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> Make sure the safety guy's not around right now. <laughs> Make sure the safety guy's not around, right? And you would hurry up and do something that you knew was not according to policy, but to do it, quote unquote, the right way would have taken all day. 
And so there is a way to blend the two. And for me, that was part of that journey. And I think there's no greater example today than kind of what we saw with the approach to COVID, especially in the early days. You know, we ask our tradesmen to wear a two or three ply cotton mask out in 90 degree weather. We don't give them fog resistant glasses. We tell them, if you are sick, you can't come in. And oh, by the way, you don't get paid for two weeks. And we set them up to fail. And so we put them in a lose-lose situation where we gave them tools to use. We gave them policies to work. Oh, and by the way, nobody can work within six feet of you. So that 100-pound thing you have to lift, now you have to do it yourself. And so we set them up to fail with some of these policies. And I don't think we, as leaders and managers, we don't take the time to think through the long-term impacts of our decisions. And all of those things, I guess, so for me to say, I've been there, I've been there with the tool bags on around my way. I've worn the hardest in fall protection scenarios. And I've been through all that training, but there's a right way. And then there's the right way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't subscribe to rules for rules sake. Right. I agree. It either makes a difference or I would rather not do it. Well, number one, that was a great example with the COVID on how we weren't able to set up people for success because we didn't really know, right? And we were just rushing to get the end results, hoping for that. But you also brought up an interesting point, which I don't think we talk about enough in safety, and I'm very passionate about, is efficiency, right? I think when we're doing things safely, we're doing them right, we are going to be more efficient because people know what's going on. What are your thoughts on efficiency? If you could just kind of expand a little bit more. Yeah, it's really to me is, I think some of our manufacturing counterparts figured this out a long time ago, and there's lots of studies on efficiency and manpower, and we have all the Six Sigma training in the world. But especially in the construction industry, it's been slow to integrate into our thinking, our processes. So for me, it really is a linchpin to getting that extra mile for companies, especially companies that already have a fairly robust safety culture. Their incident rates are low. Their injuries are relatively minor if they are happening. Really, the next step is how do you reduce twisted ankles? Well, reduce steps. How do you reduce steps? Well, you reduce steps by efficiency. Cleaner walk paths, shorter walk paths, better location for tools, equipment, material. Even on a very mature safety program, you're sharpening the pencil. You're fine-tuning the machine that is your workforce. And that's really the next step on, on getting real improvement out of your crew. The bottom line is, I don't like to do many of the jobs I'm asked to do. I definitely don't like doing them twice. <laughs> When I'm tired, I don't do my best work. Right. And that's the same for everybody. That's the same for all of our tradesmen, the guy that is in the tool. If you ask him to carry a sheet of plywood, sure. You ask him to carry 50 sheets of plywood, you're going to get an earful probably. And you risk a work comp injury. And all because there's even a machine on site to move it for him. It just wasn't scheduled for him that day. So he can't get it. You bring up a good analysis really with fatigue, right? I mean, when, when we're working all these long hours, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what happens after a while, right? Even if we're working, let's say, 612s, which is pretty common in a lot of the different workforces, especially with the COVID and everything going on, what happens after a while? We get tired, but our mental toughness goes away also along with that. I mean, we make choices that are probably not the most wisest choices. So that's kind of what you were talking about, right? Absolutely. And I think as we become more tired, we are more susceptible to making bad decisions. So where I don't know how many job sites I go on and there's a nice, clean, perfect walk path that's a quarter mile out of my way. <laughs> yes, yes. And I might do that in the morning. Right. But when I'm heading back to my car that evening after a 12-hour shift, I'm going from point A to point B in the shortest distance is a, is a straight line. I'm going through equipment and material 
around things, under things. I'm going to go the shortest. I'm tired. I'm not going to take the extra walk. And so we make different decisions based on fatigue. And, and you see that with rework. We tend to have more rework of things when it's late in the day or on a crunch schedule. we got to pour in three hours, concrete pour, finish up that formwork. That's where we see mistakes. So yes, I think that's a huge part of it. Well, you just look at like what the FAA has done in a lot of that, the fatigue, and even the nuclear world. What the, the studies that they have had are saying exactly what you're saying too, Stephen, is that really fatigue is something that can get our people hurt because they're trying to hurry, they're tired, they're not making rational choices. So yeah, I would definitely agree with you. Great point. I just wanted to skip back to something that you talked about before, Stephen. I think you were saying a little bit about human nature and when you were in the position of kind of on the floor doing the work, you kind of watched around to see if the safety guy was there. And then you felt the pressure of either needing to get something done fast or being productive. And then that's when things can happen. So it's kind of the human nature. We know what's right and wrong, but we do it anyway. Ted and I talk sometimes too. I know we've said you have four kids. We have four kids also kind of in those teenage and older years. And the fun years. Yeah, we've discussed <laughs> how as parenting, you can tell them what your thoughts are and how to guide them. But we have, all of our kids are very different. One is kind of by the book and you say, this is kind of the right way to do it or the right choice. And okay, yep, I get that. That makes sense. We have one that needs to learn and fail on their own for it to really sink in. But when you think about the safety world, that's really hard because you don't really want to let people experience something bad to learn. But do you know what I mean? Some people just don't learn by being told. So as I'm listening to you guys talk about this, it's just, that's a struggle. All the different ways that people are, right? I mean, you don't have one person that's all the same in the way they learn or, or understand things. Right. And not that people are making unsafe decisions on purpose, but sometimes that's the only way they're really going to get that it's important. So I can see where that's a big struggle because you can't let them get to that point. And there's lots of studies out on adult learners in particular and how people learn and how they absorb and apply training or information. Just about every job site I've ever been to, somebody there has the horror story. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think empowering those people to share those stories, there is a certain macabre fascination with those sort of things. I know there are certain websites you can go on and see all the gruesome pictures. There are some things like that. But generally, when people can look at somebody they appear that they respect, that can share kind of a horror story or worst case scenario, I think it can satisfy that learning style of learning by failure without actually having to experience That's actually it. a very good point. You're right. Yes. And I think it means more coming from a peer, at a, especially at the craft level mm-hmm. or even a superintendent level. It means less than, I think, surely a lot of people that may listen to this have, have been through that safety orientation that's 90% <laughs> gruesome photos. Yeah. Don't put your hand in here and here's why. And there's some things to be learned from that. But I think people sharing real stories of real people that, that they actually cared about who did it the wrong way at a peer level, I think makes a really big difference. You're very right there. Stephen, you've had an unbelievable career starting as a carpenter and, and now MBA. What is probably the one thing, if you can pick one thing out of your career that right now you're probably most proud of and why? So I think there's a lot of different things that I'm proud of. I think the thing that really stands out more than the rest is when I get the the phone calls. The phone calls from the cranky superintendent (laughs) who didn't want anything to do with safety. Uh And five years later, calls and asks a question. 
Right. How do I do this? What's the right way? I think those mean more than anything. And even if you only get one of those in your career, I think that means you made a difference. I would agree. I mean, those are great moments. And that's great that you're able to do that with people that you work with, because that's what we want, right? We want people asking questions. We want them coming back to it, not to be grumpy about it, but to understand the importance of safety, not just necessarily from even being hurt. It's the efficiency. It's the production that we can get done too and improve the area. Mm-hmm. Correct. Last question here for you, Stephen. What advice would you give to someone entering into the safety field? Well, I've, I've always joked I may write a book someday. I think there's a lot. <laughs> And some people would be much better at communicating that. I think it really falls into a few different buckets. The biggest thing is to just soak up information. Listen, watch what's going on around you, ask questions, and ask questions of all levels of management. From, use a term colloquially like a janitor, right? But all the way up. And you really have got to ask to be invested in each one of those people because they all have a unique perspective about it. They do. I think there's some hard skills that you need. You got to know the book, right? You got to know the rules. But that's just the baseline. I think there's some other things. There's tools like using Excel. I use Microsoft Excel every single day. And it's very useful. Some people learn that in school, but some people brush over and don't really spend a lot of time on it. The biggest things are soft skills. Soft skills, communication, how you communicate. You could be the very best, the very smartest, most capable safety professional with all the PhDs in the world. But if you cannot effectively communicate your position, then you are going to fail. That is very true. And the opportunity you had to be to positively impact your industry will be hampered by your inability to effectively communicate. And I think the other part is building a team, a network around you. I have state professionals from all over the country that I call for specific questions. If I need a crane question, I flip on my phone and I Scroll down to find the crane guy. Yeah, yeah. And you have to build a network of those people. The other side, the last thing would probably be learn about business. We joke that we're not a safety company that builds buildings. We are a construction company that really does their best to work safe. Business pays the bills. There's rules to business. There's a methodology to business. Learn business so you can speak the language of decision makers. If you want to influence people for safety, you have to be able to speak the language of the decision makers. And they speak the language of KPIs and ROI (laughs) and all the three-letter acronyms in the world. But it's very important that you're able to understand and effectively communicate to those key players. And if you cannot, there's always going to be a ceiling on your effectiveness. I agree with you, Stephen. I mean, if you look at, first of all, soft skills, to me, that is most important. When I hire safety professionals, I'm not so concerned about the resume. I'm looking at the soft skills. How can they interact and look at things, right? And then lastly, like you said, ROI, very important to upper management, right? And you have to be able to speak their language so they can understand what you're saying. So those are two great points that you had. Thank you. Thank you. So now, Stephen, we are on to the fun part of the show. As you probably know, I'm the positive safety coach. And now we're going to have a little fun with you and ask you a couple of jokes. The question is, are you ready? (laughs) I try to prepare myself for this moment for weeks. I'm I'm not sure, but I think I'm ready. I know you probably didn't get any sleep last night because of this particular part. But anyway, here we go. Why is teamwork so important in safety? No idea. It puts blame on someone else. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Uh, (laughs) Ted said I get to say the next one, but I'm going to do the last one because that's my favorite. Or the only one that I like. (laughs) She doesn't care for these jokes as much (laughs) as I do. No, they're okay. I have to give them a hard time sometimes. So you can do this one. I'll do the last one. 
What did the safety trainer say about the forklift training today? I have no idea. He said it was very uplifting. Oh, oh, of course it was. <laughs> oh, so good. That's not too bad. <laughs> I'll give Ted credit for this last one, but I'll read it. What do you hear if you take a construction worker's hard hat off and hold it to your ear? You tell me. The OSHA. <laughs> the OSHA. Yeah. That one was pretty good. Wonderful. Hey, <laughs> wonderful. Thanks a lot, Stephen, for all your advice and all the good things that you had. And thank you so much for your time. This was a great episode. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to TED Speaks Live with Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out through email at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com if you'd like to know more about our podcast or if you're interested in being a guest. Feel free to check us out at healthandsafetynow.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Join us next week for our next episode. Have a super safe week.